Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. All right. Good morning, everyone. I hope your day is going well. I hope that uh, this lovely Wednesday morning is exciting and uh, hopefully it'll be an encouraging one. Um, my hope is that today uh, what you hear in our discussion or in what I'm sharing will encourage you. Um, last week, I shared with you one of four panel discussions that we had during a forgiveness conference last or the beginning of this year. Uh, a phenomenal conference. The content unbelievable um but i thought wow let's uh um first of all it's christmas hard to find time and people to interview and have conversations with uh, mostly on my end right now like uh, i'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks i can actually do a lot more uh for recording wise but just lately it's been insane uh, lots of stuff going on personal and work and you name it so I, I hope you're still being encouraged by what you hear. So today's uh, um, panel discussion, um, we have uh, four of them total. So I have two more to show you. Um, and that'll bring us up to the beginning of the year, which is pretty much a year ago from when this event happened. So what you're hearing um, are some of our contributors to the conference who are sharing uh, a discussion of depending on what happened in the previous uh, um, sessions that were shown. Um, if you if you don't know all the guests, um, you'll get to know them. They're they're amazing. So I don't want to spend too much time introing it because let's get into listening to it. It's about thirty five minutes long. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. So let me uh, get to that interview and let you. Take it in. I'm watching with you, so comment and let me know you're watching and where you're watching from and all that. Uh, I'm watching live with you. Here we go. Okay, perfect. Well, hello. We got Richard, Bill, Paul, Anna, and Catherine, and uh, I'll keep an eye out for any others that can pop in. I think uh, there might be two more that could pop in. But uh, hey, how is everybody doing tonight? <laughs> great. That's great. Awesome. Okay, don't all answer at once. Got it. <laughs> So for those that were watching, what did you hear? What did you like? Wow. If I could talk. I mean, yeah, I, unfortunately, I was having technical problems, so I didn't get in until kind of the very end. Uh, but I sure am glad that this is recorded and we can, you know, go back to the recordings. But uh, I was just blown away by this, the clarity and the depth of what Rob was talking about uh, with the chain um, and bringing people to Jesus. And I, I, love, I, I love the thought that we can, um, that, that we have the power to do that, that, <clears throat> that whether you're the abuser or the abused, and we've all taken both roles, you know, you're the victim, you're um, the perpetrator, uh, I love the fact that we don't need to be stuck either way with the other persons. Are they willing to forgive or am I willing to forgive myself or can I repent or am I not willing to repent? 
um, all of that, we don't need to be stuck. And so uh, that is just such a hope for freedom. And the fact that you're not forced, obviously not forced to reconcile, um, but that reconciliation, there's vast hope for reconciliation ultimately, uh, but it's not, in, it's not forced. And I think that's freedom for so many people. So that's what kind of hit me. Cool. Yes, I echo that. I appreciate the perspective from the indigenous side of, uh, I'm not ready to reconcile. I am ready to to light them on fire. I want some sort of vengeance because that is a human aspect. That mm -hmm. is a truth. That is of authenticity. And without that truth and authenticity, you can't move towards healing. You can't move towards to for forgiveness. You can't move towards reconciliation if you don't even admit to and understand and acknowledge what's going inside. Period. And the idea that it's okay to admit that to yourself, it's not, it's not damning, it's not a condemnation, it simply is what's there. Let it out, give it out, present it to God and say this, this is what I've got right now. And I don't know what to do with it. But this is exactly how I feel. That's cool. That's It's freedom. Paul, what'd you hear? Well, if we were passing around the, the stick, the talk stick, I'd have to just kiss it and pass it on. I, I, I mean, uh, I, I was, uh, Richard's, the things that uh, Richard explained about um, uh, the Greek and what John was really saying in chapter 20, and Brad's uh, talking about indigenous um, uh Man, I, I, I feel like uh, it, it's hard to put words into it. it, it, it it's at, at such a level over my little understanding of, of forgiveness. And man, I thought I'd, done, I'd been doing pretty well. <laughs> you guys are, uh, I'm just trying to process it all. I've blown away in a good way. I've had the privilege of, you know, doing the recordings, <clears throat> but to hear them again, it's, it's only the second time I've heard them. And so to watch and listen with you all, whew, yeah, it was good. Richard, thank you so much. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, well, I, I enjoyed it too. <laughs> um, you know, basically, I think that if, if we could see how self-sabotaging unforgiveness is, you know, where I'm at, where I'm at with the issue is, is more in the area of, a, of attacking unforgiveness and eliminating unforgiveness as a toxic pathogen that works, works within us and distorts our senses. And we're the ones that are hurt the most by it. You know, we think that we have a benefit you know, by not forgiving or withholding forgiveness, I, this is giving us some sort of benefit and it's eating us alive. And um, I, I think, you know, and it's basically what we said earlier, but just, I think if we get to the point where we just, we recognize unforgiveness as a, as a bastard concept that has no legitimacy in the kingdom of God. And it's a lot easier, you know, I know a lot of times I don't know what forgiveness is. I don't know how it should feel, but 
I, I sure know what unforgiveness is, and I know how that feels. So I think if we can nail those things and hit it maybe from just a different perspective sometimes and just say it's not even a choice. As long as we consider forgiveness a choice, then some it'll be hit or miss with us. Sometimes we'll do it, sometimes we won't. But I think if we, if we get to a place, and this I'm just talking just completely personal. I'm not even talking about particular, you know, exterior groups or anything like that. I'm just talking about for us, that it, it, it's a matter of, of, uh, of achieving a self-help. And uh, if we recognize that, there's, that, that it's just illegitimate, that there's no unforgiveness in God, so that, and if we want to be perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect, there must be no unforgiveness in us. And we, we're the primary beneficiaries of that. And uh, because it's such a cathartic and cleansing and enlightening and, and, and um, you know, experience for us, the benefit plans are just incredible. And uh, I, I think uh, I just would like to see, I know, I know it's a bit of a pipe dream, but I would just like to see unforgiveness removed as an option. It, it's not, I mean, we can withhold forgiveness, sure, you know, but it's, it's not legitimate. And um, I think if we can, you know, if we can just kind of put that in our best and, and remember that, to go back to that, that it really shouldn't be a matter of choice. I know it is, but it shouldn't be. And I think if we aspire, you know, if we aspire to be like our Father in heaven, I tell you, Matthew 5, 38 through 48 is the most important passage, I think, uh, in the Bible for me on the nature of God. And it's just, you know, his perfection, the perfection of the Father lies in his treatment of enemies and his complete forgiveness. And um, so anyway, that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. That's cool. Bill. Yeah, no, I, uh, I enjoyed all three of the uh, first uh, taste of this conference, um, Randy and then and Richard, and then following with Brad. And I, I thought there was just an interesting dynamic of, of kind of unfurling that we're seeing happening. Right, you know, where Randy, Randy kind of started with the, with something. I don't want to, I don't want to give away all the, all the secrets of at least what I know is going to eventually come. But it was really cool to know where a conversation is going to come later down the road and to see it begin that way, um, and and have some some the beginning bookend, right? The first bookend on the shelf, and we're going to go through the chapters. But I, I, I have a an idea where it's going to, which that that's kind of interesting. Maybe that's a teaser for anybody who's watching, right? That there's uh, there's something special already happening, that this is going to um, you know unravel and, and expose uh, layers of, of this conversation. And I thought the three opening sessions were just were just each individually so unique and yet added a, a kind of piece of this puzzle that we're going to put together that has a bigger picture. Um, the, the word that came to mind here was encouraging and, and breaking down that word, you know, instilling in, in, in courage, like giving us a courage as we sit on each side of that, that equation of oppressor and of victim. We've all participated in both um, to being one who, who receives forgiveness and one who can be forgiving. Um, I think that is a, a huge thing. And I wrote down this, I said, you know, the idea I got through just the first three sessions, which is just, it's honestly very, very powerful to me, is I don't, I don't forgive. And what I mean by that is I partner with the forgiveness that's already been offered in completeness on the cross every time I forgive. And that's something I picked up on today that is new to me, even now, like 
it's not me. It's not built for giving. Anytime my heart experiences that on either side of that equation, I am partnering in Christ in that moment. You know, I have a question, Bill, and I'm so glad you brought that up. The the partnering, that's something that we need to be taught early on. That That's a, that's a modeling for us and then strung along. And, and I was trying to remember as you were talking, when was the first time that someone showed me how to forgive? And I couldn't, I couldn't remember. I I can recite the Lord's Prayer. I can talk about forgiveness. I can think about Jesus on the cross. I cannot remember the first time somebody showed me in actuality what that looked like. And I wondered for for the folks on the panel here, what's your earliest memory of being shown what forgiveness is? That's a that's deep. That's a hard one. <laughs> like I was thinking, have I ever been taught what that looks like? Modeled? I mean, of course, because you know, I mean, probably a sibling spat, and you know, um, you had to kind of make up, but there was something about kind of you know the inner, not just you know shake hands and you know <laughs> kind of thing, but kind of the, the inner shift that was modeled in, in that. So I I don't know. That's a maybe someone is something brilliant to say because <laughs> I don't. So yeah. Good question. Good question. I'll say I'll say a story that I, I'm aware of and I only aware of because my mom tells it to me because I was too young to remember it for myself. And and I, I, I will go ahead and and, and Put it out there i was i was raised in an unbelievably beautiful home with with unbelievably loving parents and a very healthy household so um not everybody has this and and i recognize that and i and my heart is is you know has compassion for for people that didn't have that but it gives me it gave me at least a young young perspective on it that maybe i wasn't even aware of but when i was very little um i i'm follically challenged at this point in time as you can see um I kept my hair short though, and I had ears that stuck out. Like when I was little, like my ears stuck out, right? And I guess you know, as as kindergartners, first graders, second graders, somewhere in that, that, that kids would make fun of me because I had big ears. And um, I came home and I told my mom, and my mom was furious. She was absolutely livid that how dare someone say something about her perfect son's, you know, ears that stuck out. And I said, it's okay, mom. I think I can just hear better than them. <laughs> right? And the compassion for my parents had already seated in me a confidence that I didn't need to even offer them forgiveness because I didn't take offense, right? Even in, in that very toddler sense. Um, I don't know if that's what you're looking for, Anna, but I think that maybe that's I even showed my mom forgiveness in a way that she didn't even expect in that moment in time that, you know, how we choose to receive things is, is sometimes even the beginning of it. And I'm not, I don't want to dismiss anyone's ultra pain. I mean, that's, that's definitely not my MO there, but I do believe that you're right. Experiencing that at a very elementary level is essential to being able to walk it out even on the bigger scales. And if, 
we don't experience it small, you, you're not going to be able to get to being, start to experience it big. But you may have also experienced um, other fruit of, of forgiveness. It may, they may not have had it um, displayed for you here. This is what forgiveness is, you know, write this down. But you may have seen it in the expressions, in the kindness, in the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I know growing up in a really traditional church, um, there were some mean legalists. They were just jerks, mean. And I was the brunt of the pulled ear stuff all the time. But there were also really kind ones. And I saw them treat those mean makers as kind. I thought, wow. Yeah. You know, so to see that displayed, I wouldn't call that forgiveness. I'd say that's just the expression of love. You know, it's pretty cool. I'm going to tell you one quick story because I know one of our watchers, um, this is his father who did this to us. But in the, my early 20s, I had a, um, an elder in a church um, participate in this this thing where Lori and I were youth leaders. And I think I was a, you know, I might have ticked off the pastor <laughs> and uh, leaders in the church or something. And there was a kind of a coop set up and we had to leave. We got kicked out. And uh, we couldn't believe that this, this man would... Um, um, go along and believe the words of the pastor because the pastor was lying. And uh, it was about a year later, he and his wife drove up to our place. It was like two and a half, three hour drive away. He was a pig farmer and uh, he brought us half a pig. And he said, we want to say, we're sorry. We were wrong. We didn't know. And we knew he was kind already. He already lived the kind life. He He's an amazing man. He's recently passed away, but that was an expression of authentic forgiveness and reconciliation attempt that was so authentic. I will never forget that expression. It was a great, a great model for me. Mike, can I, can I share something real quick? I, I think where I've seen forgiveness, where it's modeled for me in the, in the most narrow and clear ways have been in the courtroom. You know, I'm, mm. I'm an attorney, I'm a criminal defense attorney. I cannot tell you how many supernatural acts of forgiveness I have seen in the courtroom. Now, I can't tell you that they happen often, but I, but they have happened, you know, over 35 years, they've happened quite a bit in the, in the overall, in terms of being memorable. I have maybe 10 or 12 tales that I could tell you uh, of just seeing, because there it's very simple. Caesar comes in and says, you've done this wrong, you need to pay. That's all Caesar says. But Jesus comes in these people's hearts, these victims who come into court and make the most incredible declarations toward the ones that offended them, towards the one that, uh, the ones that uh, criminal, you know, perform criminal acts against them. I have, you know, I, I, I've shared with y'all this before, Mike and uh, uh, Bill, but um, about a, a, a grandmother who was raising a granddaughter, but she was at the mother, in fact, because the, mother, the real mother wasn't around. And uh, she was killed by my client. Uh, they were very good friends, but he was driving in a vehicle and and uh, was going too fast around a curve. And they charged him with vehicular homicide. Well, she, uh, you know, the judge is there waiting to sentence my fellow to some sort of uh, jail um, for some extended period of time. She swoops in there and says, my daughter loved him. He didn't do this on purpose. And um, I, 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 he is my child now. I mean, she came up and put herself in between Raph and my client. And the judge started crying. 
And the judge started weeping and said, I've never heard anything like this. I don't know what to do. And she ended up giving him straight probation. But I, I mean, time after time after time, it's like you want to see the power of mercy over the power of forgiveness or the power of a lack of unforgiveness. I don't even think this grandmother struggled with it. I mean, she did. She never showed me one time. You know, I talked to her. I didn't know what she was going to say. I, you know, I didn't know what she was going to get up there and say for sure. But she told me she wanted to say something. And she ended up just returning, you know, returning mercy. But I could tell you story after story after story, even with juries. I mean, I, I've had people, I mean, I, I had a juror find my guy not guilty in, uh, one time. It, it was accused of a drug transaction. And he was on the screen and he, he, he was clearly involved in it. But he had changed his life. It was two years earlier and the trial had taken a long, a long time to come to court. It was, and, and I had put up people who said, you know, he was an elder in his church now. And now I know that's a quick to be an elder, but at any rate, just, just people well-known in the community who were vouching for him. And uh, the jury comes back later and finds him not guilty. And I started kind of boasting on my ability, you know, to get him off on that crime. Well, two days later, I get a note, a letter, and it was from the foreperson. And the foreperson said, I wanted to let you know what happened. We went in the back and everyone wanted to find him guilty. And I said, can we at least pray about it first? Which was an incredible thing for a four person to say. But everyone agreed to pray. And one by one, they changed their mind and they found him not guilty. And they wrote him a letter that she gave to me within that letter. It was sealed, so I never read it. And said, we want you, we want you to know we knew he was guilty, but we felt the Lord wanted to impart forgiveness to him. Wow. So will you give him this letter? So I delivered the letter. I don't know what it said, but I bet you it said something good. And uh, the boy, you know, he had just had a, a young baby and uh, nothing merited there, nothing conditional, just, just just an incredible act of grace. And it's just easy to see in the courtroom, you know, because we have so many, in our situations, we have so many things going back and forth and details. And it's, there's a lot of times there's not clarity, but in the courtroom, there's clarity. You know, because it's there, there's the prosecutor, there's the defender, there's the judge, there's the jury. And uh, so anyway, I think the courtroom, I, I, I may someday just put a, something together as, with, with these tales just to share them with people, just to see that the grace is capable of working through and around the law and how seizure can just kind of be, uh, you know, you render to seizure the things that are seizures. Well, wrath is seizures, you know, but you render to God and, and forgiveness because and forgiveness is of God and is God. So anyhow, that that that's I I've learned more about forgiveness in the courtroom, which is an amazing thing because normally you think it's a place where you don't learn forgiveness, but it, but that's where I've learned it. Oh, that's that's super. I if, if I can, I'd I'd like to share uh, something, and this isn't nearly on this deeper level as as you guys have other other guys have talked, but it but it's certainly my story. Uh, I'm uh, a musician by training, and uh, I. You know, I have a college degree a trained classical musician, but what, what I really loved was jazz. And I <clears throat> started a jazz group when, when I was at school. Uh, and I played in the university band and orchestra and the other groups and things like that, played classical music. But uh, what I really loved with jazz, and jazz is, is uh, it's really, well, it's improvisation. It's creating uh, on the moment. Uh, and it... Uh, in order to uh, to learn how to do that, you've got to just fail a lot. I mean, you 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 go and sit in with other musicians who've done it, and you you know you don't quite know what to do, and you uh, maybe you got a lot of technique and a lot of ability, but you, you know 
you're you're not reading music. This is coming out, and and it uh, it doesn't sound good at first. And uh, my experience, I, I've I've gotten to be uh, really good friends with a lot of the older guys in Kansas City who were there during the heyday of jazz during the during Prohibition, and uh, uh, played with Count Basie and Duke Ellington and things like this, and. Uh, been at you know jam sessions and things like that, and I found uh, not by any means are are these guys uh, uh, moral paragons of virtue. I mean nobody is, but they uh, there's there's just when you make when somebody new comes in and you you make mistakes and you're just learning, there's encouragement that nobody nobody holds it against you when uh when you miss a bad note you just let it go and you go on and 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 you keep trying and classical music which i love i mean you go to a concert and somebody makes a mistake and that's all everybody talks about uh and and uh <laughs> and your your peers talk about it your your uh especially if you're a professional you know the the critics talk about it it comes out in the in the newspaper and, and stuff like that when you're when you're playing jazz uh and you I, what i found in my group and in other groups that i played with you know when you make a mistake the other guys build off of that they'll take it like a master weaver and weave that into something that's good and I, I found that going back looking at some of my old recordings, uh, it, well, everything's old with me these days, but recordings that I did, but, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s, and, and I'll hear myself play a solo and uh, go off on something that just wasn't right, wasn't in the chord changes or whatever, but I hear the other guys in my band taking that and working with that and, you know, uh, making sense out of it so that it didn't really look like I made a mistake and uh, it, it's just it's a uh, it's sort of a forgiveness in the moment mm. uh, of mistakes now that now these are this is nothing like what you know what uh, Richard talked about in the courtroom scene or Brad talked about with indigenous uh, uh, you, you know with, with Native Americans that but but to me it's it's just a real life thing of experience when i go and play with with different guys uh we know we're going to make mistakes and uh we don't focus on the other people's mistakes we encourage people for the good things and it's uh again it, it, it's not comparable to some of the other things but the but the principle of it to me uh has been one of joy and just the excitement and, uh, something that I, I look forward to being in those situations. I, I like how Paul said he wasn't going to be deep, and then he was like super deep. Right? <laughs> I was like, wow. Yes, because that is that is that is the essence of grace that you build up in yourself as others envelop you in that grace of it's okay. It's, it's almost like a partner dancing. If you make a misstep, no, I've got you. Let me carry you through the rest of the dance and nobody will know because we are both 
tearing this off beautifully. Bob Ross and his, oh, you've got a little mistake. We'll just turn that into a cloud and it's fine. And it's that beautiful grace of learning. And, and maybe it became a habit, right? Of forgiving yourself, finding the grace within yourself that makes it easier to give to other people the forgiveness of, of mistakes, missteps, painting clouds that should have been burned. You know, that's really amazing when you think about it because it is love co covering a multitude of sins. It's us saying that, well, this was not a sin. This was not an offense. I mean, obviously a, a note is not, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's such a, a, a picture and it's alive and it's on the fly. And so we're covering and then we're turning that to something beautiful while not denying the offense or what you would say um, uh, was actually a real thing. You know, that's kind of when you think about how the body of Christ, uh, how we're called to act and love as he loves. Um, and how, how are we supposed to respond? And how can we partner with God to do that? Because obviously when there's something devastating, well, you don't just gloss over it and like, ah, oh, it's all good. Well, no, it's, that's, no, it's really not. Um, but how can we turn that? And I just think that's part of the miraculous as we're being led, uh, you know, by, by the spirit, we're being led. How do we respond? Because so many times that, you know, in leadership situations, big and small, you know, we're presented not only with the victim, but with also the perpetrators. So how are we covering that? Um, but actually being a real source of healing for all the parties involved. I think that's amazing. There's such a, a picture that we can sit with and really grapple with the Lord. It's like, okay, so what does that look like? Do I have a part? What is that part? And then help me be empowered to do it because apart from me, I can do nothing. So that's amazing. I love that for such a non-deep thing. That is awesome. So we had a question that came up. <clears throat> this is like a nosedive deep instantly. Um, I'm going to put it up on the uh, screen here if you can see it. And I'll read it to you. But it's it's from a guy named Paul uh, on, on Kape in Nigeria. He's a friend of Rainey. And uh, he had this question. And it's a, it's a big one. It's not pleasant. A preacher once said that there are sins that no matter how many times you ask for forgiveness, God will not forgive. Using the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, how Abraham pled on their behalf, how can we figure this out? Because in Nigeria, we contend with this issue. Um, let's see if there was more. Yeah, we intend with this issue like this when you talk about, um, how can we contend with this issue when you talk about forgiveness like this? <laughs> so... That's a, that's a really big one. I know in the conference, so Paul, if you're, if you're still watching, um, I think it's going to come up uh, as we continue the conversation because this has to deal with, first of all, our, our misconceptions of who God is and our misconceptions of the interpretation of Scripture. And then you have the cultural stuff because, oh my goodness, it's a big cultural problem where you are. And here too, in some ways. Response, what, what, what do you think? What eventually happens to Sodom and Gomorrah later on in the what do we read about them later on in the Old Testament? I don't know. Salt mine? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Restored. Oh. What, what, I'm sorry, what would you say, Paul? Restored. Restorative. 
So what happened, Paul? Do you remember? Because yeah. I, don't, I don't remember the story. Where did you say that? I'm... I I can't I can't quote you the reference, but it's. Uh, uh, if you can't come up with it or not, it's fine. I'm just curious where where yeah, okay. that came so, uh, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, I can't. But that, so, but it's just so gone. Yes, go ahead. Sorry. Restorative, restorative grace. Um, I I've actually been to Nigeria. I've been to Niger, and it's it's uh, it is. I was taught that there are certain sins that are unforgivable and you better have like a plethora of family friends who pay and do penance on your behalf and maybe you get a little bit out of wherever you are um paul was that his name yes paul paul i'm anna uh i can tell you i don't know i can tell you i'm journeying through something like that, if you were to ask me if there is a sin that is unforgivable, forgivable, I can tell you it's the rape of my son by a stranger. And I can tell you that if you were to ask me at the moment that I held my son in my arms as he was crying and begging me to just let him die, that I would have told you right then that absolutely not this this is an unforgivable sin and i can tell you that i got my 357 and i got in the car and i went looking for the person who did this to my son until i realized that anything i did or anything i said i i was at a crossroads because whatever i did in the next moment would not just be left with whoever I did it to, but that would be left on my son as well to see how I handled it. Granted, the the sin perpetrated on him was not as big on me. I was I was a bystander. And at the same time, if I couldn't teach my son how to survive this sin not even get to the forgiveness part but to survive this sin that is all the grace and mercy that i could give to him and he needed to give to himself because in the cases of of sins like that that are perpetrated on you you take and you absorb that sin onto yourself it is my fault that i got raped it is my fault that this visited me i must have deserved this for x y and z because that's also somewhere in the bible right you're you deserve something that's how we were brought up in the roman catholic church so i had to turn the car around i had to come back home i had to empty the magazine of that weapon i had to put it away and i had to go to my son and i had to say talk to me let me just hold you and we cried and I can tell you still today, six years after, we are still uncovering that sin and figuring out how to forgive holding it on to ourselves more than we are figuring out how to forgive the person who did this. 
So kind of like what Paul said, kind of like what Richard said, kind of like what Bill and Catherine talked about, it is, it is the quiet contemplation, it is the inner work, it is the absorption of divine grace and mercy that is instilled in us from God. And it is plucking every single tiny bit out that you can and using it to mend your broken pieces back together. So at some point, you can go to God and say, I can only go this far, and I need you to carry me the rest of the way, because I can't do it by myself. And that's, that's what I have to offer you, Paul. Mike, could, could I hit it from, uh, that's beautiful. That's absolutely just transcendent. I, I'd like to hit it from a different angle about this, the, the, the passage itself, that in, in and, and I would encourage Paul to really focus on New Testament upgrades, all right? If you stay in the Old Testament, it will keep you in the Old Testament, and it will keep you under the law, and it will keep you under wrath. They, in the Old Testament saints, didn't have a differentiated view of God, so that for them, God and Satan were the same thing. They saw that Satan was God's angry voice. And not getting into the ontology of Satan with this, but just to show you their, their concept of God was that he was the bringer of good and the bringer of evil. Jesus upgraded that in the New Testament and called, he pulled that apart. He differentiated the Lord's goodness so that we could see that, that he's a God of life. And, you know, I, I would tell Paul, you remember the passage uh, in Luke about, uh, uh, or John, I forget which one it is, about wanting to call down fire, you know, for the Samaritans, wanting to call down fire because they rejected Jesus. But he said, you don't know what spirit you're of. And, and they quoted the Old Testament. They quoted Elijah. You shall we not call down fire the way Elijah did? And he said, no, you don't know what spirit you're of. I've come to save men. You know, I've come to save humanity, not destroy it. And so I would not go to Sodom and Gomorrah because their, their view of Sodom and Gomorrah was a view that had not called out the satanic from, from, from the divine. And uh, Jesus comes in the New Testament and does that for us. And he tells us, you know, he tells us that he, who did he, who did he order fire down on? Nobody. He saved people from stonings. The law in the Old Testament commanded stonings. Jesus kept people from getting stoned. <laughs> you know, so, so we, we are not under the law and, 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 you know, whatever you think Satan is, let's just agree that there's an evil dynamic out there that works destruction in people's lives, but it's not from God. God may warn us of it. To, you know, to stay in, the, in what is uh, uh, the Lord's Highway, you know, Bunyan's uh, uh, book uh, on, on the Lord's Highway, where the pilgrim stays in the middle of the road because the, Satan is like the two lions on either side of the road, but they're chained. And so he, if he stays in the middle of the road, he'll be protected. So the Lord warns us in that sense. But uh, we would never, I, I, I will stake every fiber of my being that God has never called down fire on anybody. All right. And when Jesus says that God in the New Testament, John says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And actually in that passage, John says, this is the message. This is the message we've heard from the beginning. And now we share it with y'all. God is light. He's Southern. He's from Southern Israel. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We need to camp out on the New Testament upgrades. You won't ever see anything about calling Jesus calling down fire. He was, he, and he would rebuke people who, you know, suggested that he did. So anyway, I, that, that's why I so love the New Testament. You know, I just so love it because, and I'm not saying there aren't speed bumps in the New Testament, 
But in the, if the Old Testament's all you go by. There are roadblocks in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, there's a few speed bumps, but we can get over those. But if we just stay in the old without the new, we're going to be distorted. I love that. Thank you. Our time is up, everybody. Anna, thank you for that. Oh, my goodness. And, guys, you're going you're gonna to hear her story, uh, whenever, I think it's in two weeks. But um, I, I don't have the schedule memorized, but I'm eager to share your story as well. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. That was a good conversation. Too bad you didn't hear the first three sessions of the conference. Hint, hint. <laughs> um, I, uh, I found the quote that Paul Gray was trying to remember on the spot, and he emailed it to me shortly after. By the way, if you don't know this, Paul Gray passed away a number of weeks back, and uh, really tough loss, sad loss. Great guy. Oh, my goodness. But the reference he was referring to from Ezekiel, it says, I will restore their fortunes, both the fortunes of Sodom and her daughters and the fortunes of Samaria and her daughters, and I will restore your own fortunes in their midst. So Paul is talking about the um, uh, the reference to things being restored and not to use Sodom and Gomorrah as the picture of what God's character is like. And Richard was alluding to that too. It was a misconception, just like the disciples who said, hey, should we call down fire and on these people? And Jesus is looking at them weird. He's like, what aren't you getting yet? I'm not, no. <laughs> so we have a lot to learn about who we believe uh, God really is in his character, in their character, in the Trinity's character, and how how that love is expressed to us, and the distortions that hinder us from grasping the depth of that unconditional love. Something the church needs to do better at. There, we're, we are not the exact representation. The church is not the exact representation of the Trinity. Not at all. We're humans trying to figure things out with our own baggage. And um, I think the more we're authentic about our baggage, uh, the baggage doesn't become the theme anymore. And I think right now the message the world's hearing about who God is and who Jesus is and, and who's in, who's not, is bo- it, it comes from bad baggage. And as that baggage is removed, we become more loving because we see God for who God truly is. We see ourselves for how God sees us. Oh, and that in turn makes us see others as God sees them. This message of love, this gospel of grace we claim to speak about, if it doesn't make you love God more and better and see God as bigger and better and much more to learn, and if it doesn't make you love others better, rethink your gospel. <laughs> rethink what, what you're believing. Like, really, what's the end goal? <laughs> it's not... Okay, yeah, I'll, I better stop. I, I can see where this is going quick. <laughs> anyway, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Next uh, Thursday, or sorry, Wednesday, we're going to uh, share um, a third video. We have total four of those panel discussions. And I've never shown them on Still Growing Grace. I've only shared some of the sessions. But these panel discussions are deep, and they can, they, they're worth hearing. And I hope you, you uh, all enjoyed that. All right, time to go. It is, uh, what time is it? Oh, wow, 8.44 a.m. on Wednesday morning, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, make sure you comment, say hello. Hey, Art, I see you there, buddy. Uh, glad to see you online. Mary, good morning. And, of course, Buddy. Buddy, what's your real name? Um, I, I, if it's really Buddy, that's great. But um, 
uh, I, I'm I, I'm just not sure. Sometimes people use uh, uh, hashtags and uh, acronyms and stuff. Anyway, that's all. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Look forward to seeing you next week. If you are interested in some grace-filled Advent content, join us Sunday mornings. Uh, you'll see the links below um, of where to watch. We just uh, it is Mr. Mr. Buddy <laughs> Art. Uh oh, Art's getting in on this. Look out! Um, somebody's gonna start laughing soon. <laughs> ah, all right, I'll, I'll stop because this can go sideways really quick. Art knows that for sure. All right. Um, but if you want to join us for Sunday mornings, uh, we have a kind of a traditional church service online. Again, that service is designed for those who want to connect uh, in a more formal church setting. Uh, there is room for that. There are others who can't stand that. Well, then don't complain about it. Go find your thing. Um, I enjoy small groups. I enjoy, I enjoy uh, panel discussions. I enjoy all kinds of stuff. So there's room for many formats of Okay, Buddy Fisher. That's his name. Buddy, good. We're not, I'm not used to that name. So usually it's, hey, buddy, and that's awesome. Great to meet you. This is really cool. Um, all right, good. So we clarified that. Um, yeah, so as far as a, a community that you grow in, sometimes it's going to be online. COVID forced us to um, rethink how we do church. Um, the traditional church needs to be shaken up. Douglas. Oh, Buddy's name is Douglas, but it calls him Buddy. Okay, now you've clarified it really well, but I'll, I'll just call you Buddy. I love it. <laughs> He's texting as I'm talking to you. It's funny. Um, anyway, that's it. Let's uh, wrap this up. You guys have a fantastic day, and go and encourage somebody today with the love and light of Christ in you. See ya. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.